Hi there, everybody. Welcome once again to Greenlight Reviews, where we talk about the movies. My name is Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. And today, Ann, we're going to discuss a remake mm-hmm. of a fairly recent film called Beauty and the Beast. Last time it was animation, and this time it's real-life human beings. With some animation. Quite a bit of animation, which is really quite charming. Mm-hmm. I guess everybody knows the story. There's this young woman living in town with her aged father. Her father gets in trouble with this prince who lives in a castle. The prince has been turned into a beast. Everybody in his castle who was serving him have been turned into other things like teapots, a candelabra, clocks, and things like that. Right. He was cursed by an evil spirit. Oh, of course. Because he was a selfish, horrible human being. That's right. So he's been reduced to this character that features beastly hooves and lots of hair. And, and horns and, yeah. And bad teeth. <laughs> yes, it's very frightening. So anyway, the father gets thrown into prison in this castle. His daughter, Belle, comes to rescue him. Mm -hmm. She makes a deal with the beast. If he lets her father go, she will stay there imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's okay. But it turns out that he's not going to keep her in the cell all the time. She is given a nice place to sleep, and she's treated very, very well. Well, do you think he has designs on Belle? Well, he can have the curse lifted only if someone falls in love with him and kisses him. Right, and he hopes that it will be Belle. Of course. And so do the servants, by the way. (laughs) Yes, because if he doesn't get freed from this curse, he is going to die, and all these servants that are now inanimate objects are going to wither away and disappear. Well, they'll be sold at a garage sale. <laughs> That's right. For those of you who are sitting on the edge of your seats <laughs> wondering if this is going to happen, good for you. Let me tell you a little bit about the movie. Yes, let's get into that part. The musical scenes are very spectacular. I couldn't agree with you more. This is one of the best top flight scores ever written for the movies. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken did a superb job way back when they composed the music for the animated version. Those songs are intact in this version, and they've added a couple more. Of course. I think that there's good news and bad news about Beauty and the Beast. The good news is that it's faithful to the animated version. Yep. The bad news is that it's faithful to the animated version. <laughs> Disney spent a wad of money developing this animated feature, turning it into a live action. Right. Putting stars like Emma Watson in as Belle, then some top flight English actors playing the servants, and then there's Dan Stevens who plays the Beast. Dan Stevens, known to all of his fans as the hunk from Downton Abbey. By the way, speaking about Dan Stevens, he has the best speaking voice Mm -hmm. I've heard since James Earl Jones. It is spectacular, and it so entranced me and dragged me into this thing. Exactly. When he finally is redeemed at the end and he turns into a guy, I wasn't that excited about it. But he's really quite wonderful and domineering in the film. Right. Where I think the film goes off the track is that the writers determined that this version should be more 21st century relevant. (laughs) That can be a plus, but sometimes that can be a minus. And in this case, I don't think it was really fulfilled all the way. As an example, Belle is seen in the opening sequence washing clothes She's using a donkey and a washboard to kind of replicate what will become a washing machine. More of that kind of humor, if they were going to go in that direction, was needed. In addition, the two comic characters in Beauty and the Beast, 
Lafoe, played by Josh Gad, is the manservant to the insufferably narcissistic, handsome, egomaniacal Gaston, right. played with kind of a ham-fistedness by Luke Evans. Yeah, he was really awful from the moment you looked at him. I didn't like either character. Right. The way they were portrayed, mainly because they hit all the cliches for preening, peacocky kind of guys. Also, they made Lafoe a lovesick gay fella whose crush is on his employer. I don't have any problem with that as a conceit. It's just that in this movie, it seemed a little precious. I have to agree with you. That kind of bothered me. It seemed a little bit forced into the makeup of the film in order to make it look hip. Well, it does look hip, but let us remember that this movie, for all intents and purposes, is for kids. I don't think that it will mean anything to youngsters. Probably not. But it just didn't work for me, and I'm no youngster. Now, the part of Bill's father, who's crucial to this film, certainly to the fairy tale plot, is played by Kevin Klein. We don't get to see much of Kevin Klein in the movie. Right. He kind of disappears in Beauty and the Beast, and he doesn't resurface until the great big fat finale. Right. I wanted more of Maurice. I think he's a fine actor, and he always delivers a subtle and hip performance. Well, there's a lot of really fine actors in this film. Yes, I agree. Ian McKelland, I mean, he is one spectacular actor, and working with him is another much younger spectacular British actor. Sure. Ewan McGregor. Right, terrific. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, the fabulous Emma Thompson. And our very own American Audra McDonald, the winner of, I think, four or five Tonys. Yes. One of the most astonishing Broadway voices ever. And she doesn't disappoint in this film, but I would have loved to have seen more of her as she really looks instead of being a wardrobe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't do Audra justice. Um, I think we give a nod to the director, Bill Condon. I always like his work, particularly the musical Dreamgirls, one of my favorite, favorite movie musicals. Yep. Obviously, he gives a nod to Hollywood musicals like The King and I because that wonderful sequence when Belle and the Beast dance in the ballroom is very much like Anna and the King of Siam. Of and course. they certainly replicated the beautiful, flowing, huge, billowing golden gown that Anna wore in The King and I. Right. And certainly we see it on Belle in Beauty and the Beast. I loved that because I love watching The King and I. One of the reasons that I watch it probably once every two years Mm -hmm. is to watch that dance sequence. I was very excited with this. I think uh, Be My Guest just knocked my socks off. It was so wonderful, colorful, and exciting. I'm not kidding. This is one of the great scores of all time. Absolutely. You'll be smiling and singing along with the characters. You'll hum. It's a very nice movie. Now, you might think that because I'm being a little bit critical of the film, pointing out its deficits, that I didn't like it. I did like the film, but I wanted it to be just a little bit more. And I was a little cheated, I felt, because the film was not brilliant. And it could have been, but I don't think it was. Exactly. I thought this was a very good film. I thought the animated version, what was it, 15 years ago or so? 1991. Oh my gosh, was it that long ago? That was a fantastic film. I agree. This version of Beauty and the Beast, 
is terrific. It should be in your home library because it's the kind of film that is absolutely perfect for holiday viewing. And um, I think that the animated version is absolutely an artistic masterpiece. Yes. But let's get back to this version. For me, Beauty and the Beast 2017 rates a green light. I loved her. I loved him, meaning Beauty and the Beast. I loved the music. I just didn't love the movie. But like isn't so bad. Right. I am also giving it a green light for pretty much the same reasons. I was a little disappointed, but not much. I had a very good afternoon at the movies. And what more can you ask from a fairy tale? (laughs) So I'm very happy to give it a green light. I'll probably see it again. Good. So, two green lights for Beauty and the Beast. We're going to be back very, very soon with another film to discuss. Until that time... My name's Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. And Greenlight Reviews hopes that whether you're a beauty or not a beauty, <laughs> you're going to have a great time the next time you go to the movies. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.